Hey guys, welcome back to the Inspired Way podcast. This is a new segment of The Pursuit. And so I hope you guys are enjoying these. If you are, please leave a rating and review. Even if you, uh, you know, some of the other episodes, if you haven't done so, it really only takes a few minutes. I've been trying to, you know, do this myself with friends who have podcasts or books out there is leaving them a review because they go a long ways towards really helping get that message out there. I know I, re- I mention that regularly, but it really does help. And so really appreciate you guys sharing it with your friends. Also sharing on uh, social media sites. Really enjoy seeing those posts or uh, stories. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it really means the world. It also means that uh, this message is resonating with some of you. Um, and so really appreciate that. And if it really is uh, really kind of uh, resonating, you want to say thank you. Another way to say thank you. I just started it. Uh, just this week. And that is, uh, I really enjoy a cup of coffee. Uh, it really doesn't kind of amp me up or anything like that. I don't do drink it for the, for the buzz or for the energy that it provides. I really drink it, uh, because I enjoy the taste. I really like it, but also it's just an environment. It's kind of, for me, it's just this shift as I drink a cup of coffee. It's as I'm reading or as I'm journaling or just sitting there thinking and praying and, and whatnot. It's, it's, it's a form of inspiration. So it's kind of like it takes me into a, a space, an environment. And so I really enjoy a cup of coffee. So if you'd like more inspiration out of me, <laughs> I actually created an account on buymeacoffee.com forward slash the inspired way. So you can go there and you can buy me a cup. You can buy me two, three, four, five. It doesn't matter. Or I think you might even actually go, hey, you know what? I enjoy this so much. I want to subscribe to this every month or whatever, you know, so five bucks a month and uh, maybe. Uh, but anyway, if that's something that you have taken a part of, uh, taken some of this away and you're like, man, I really enjoy this. I want to say thank you. Buy me a cup of coffee. Buy me some more inspiration. <laughs> Just kidding. So, but seriously, though, uh, go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash the inspired way. I have it in show notes down below as well, but all right, today on the pursuit, super excited to have our guest today is David Norrie. David was actually on the podcast, um, gosh, a couple of years ago, almost a couple of years ago now, it was back in 2020. He was one of my earlier guests. Uh, we had him on, <clears throat> excuse me, to talk about uh, turned on. He is uh, the author of Turned On, which is really just about uh, turning ourselves on because we're so turned off. In other words, to in oblivious to the things out there around us because of social and because of other things. We're all down on our devices. It's 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 like a light switch. We need to like turn the lights on in our lives so that we can. Uh, resonate and talk and communicate with those around us and not just be completely oblivious. So uh, great book. Check it out. Check out that episode. But today he's written a new book. It was just released on Monday, May 2nd. It's called The Pursuit. And I'm super excited to share it with you guys because uh, when I saw the, the post that he had made on Facebook, I was like, wow, okay, Okay, we got to know what this is all about because we're on the pursuit. This whole podcast is about pursuing hard things, doing the, the hard, just like the inspired way, uh, you know, being the buffalo in the storm, facing things, you know, but we should be in the pursuit of integrity, discipline, and valor as well in all that we do. 
And so this pursuit that we are on uh, is is not in vain. I mean, we're, there's a purpose behind it. And so we are excited to have David Norrie on to actually talk about his new book, The Pursuit, and really about the pursuit of the truth. And it's the truth that, um, you know, really the world probably doesn't want us to know it, but it's the truth of God. It's the word of God. And how do we in- incorporate that into our lives and pursue godly things in a in a in a culture or in a world that is completely going the opposite direction and we need to have the boldness to stand up against the culture to stand up against the lies of the enemy the lies of culture things like that and if we sit silent it just becomes we now become a part of culture and so that is not what we're about we're again about pursuing integrity the integrity of the word of god having the discipline, the pursuit of discipline, disciplining ourselves in the word, and then also that personal bravery of valor to face those things when something comes our way, when a storm comes our way, whether it's a spiritual storm, whether it's a cultural storm that we're up against, that we have that personal bravery to go in and face it. Because why? Because we have the truth in us and we speak the truth and we speak it in love. So super excited to have, um, David Norrie back with his new book, The Pursuit. I hope you guys really enjoy this. It's a little bit of a long one, but get your pen and your paper out seriously because there's a lot of good stuff in this one. So, all right, guys, without further ado, here's our conversation with the author of The Pursuit, David Norrie. Well, uh, thanks for coming back, man. You know, last time you were on The Inspired Way with just myself, we talked about being turned on or your book being turned on, turning people on, turning, bringing them out of darkness and into the light. And uh, we had a really good conversation. And so uh, those guys that are listening to this now, because this is a segment, I think we mentioned this to you. This is a new segment that Jeff and I started with the inspired way called the pursuit. And so we're talking about all things, uh, pretty much kind of any topic is on the table, but then we, discuss how do we have more integrity discipline and valor within that you know and just the pursuit of integrity in our lives the pursuit of discipline and valor with everything that we do and um so anyway you know it was great to have you on uh gosh man it's been it's coming up on two years if you can believe that uh yeah yes i think it was june june or july maybe july of uh 2020 when we recorded last. And so, uh, coming up pretty quick on two years. So, but anyway, it's been, uh, it's been going good. I think, uh, this has been a fun little segment that we've been able to do. Cause I, I love bouncing off of, uh, Jeff. We just kind of roll back and forth, which is nice. And we can do that today. But I thought, you know, I saw your post on Facebook and your new book, and we definitely want to dive into all of that. Uh, the pursuit, and I uh, really lo- love that title. But uh, before we do, I have a very uh, interesting question for you. It might be interesting. Okay. I don't know. So did, uh, did the green wagon come home with you or what? You know what? I mean, it, it's such a funny thing when you look for a car because I would, I would literally get, a, I would literally get a, a wagon right now. I would literally get a minivan right now because <laughs> at, at some point in your life, you just come to this realization that, you know what? comfort over style, you know, comfort over style. We, we have a, a Yukon SUV right now and I love it, but with the dog and three kids and then my parents visiting, you know, 
watching my my 83 year old dad try and get out of the back of that Yukon is amazing. And it's funny because we looked at SUVs yesterday, and some of these SUVs claim to have a third row of seating. And I'm looking at this particular one. I won't mention it. I'm like, a third row for who? Double amputees? Like, <laughs> if you have legs, you're not fitting back there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's literally no leg room, not even for a child. And so you can claim to have a third row, but come on. Right. They just yeah. add an extra 15 grand to the price because they say it's a third row. It's not a third row. <laughs> so does not the wagon a- have the backward facing seat where you can actually look out the rear view? You know, I grew up in one of those. I, I grew up in one and we, my family, uh, come from, I'm the youngest of four. <clears throat> And my family would take me every year with my brothers and sisters to Buffalo. So we, we drove from Miami, Florida to Buffalo, New York in a wagon with no seatbelts. And I bounced <laughs> yeah. around in the back seat. Um, yeah. Let me get a glass of water. My mom uh, would bring a Folgers, uh, empty Folgers crystal jar. I'm dating myself. And that was for the boys that had to go pee. And we didn't want to stop. And, you know, you, you'd yeah. have to go in the, in the, in the Folgers oh, yeah. jar. Well, yeah, I we had to sleep in the back window of the car. We would go from from Gainesville to North Carolina to see my mom's family, and I would literally get in the back window and sleep. Yeah, <laughs> and you sit I mean, there. And, if you and saw that now, I know exactly you'd call what you're the talking cops. about. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we had one of those uh, how any wagons. Of us survive. How yeah. did we make it to this point? It's crazy, but I miss those days. I love traveling. You know, it's it yeah. kind of will go into what we talk about eventually because you know there's so much about a road trip that builds memories. You know, and there's so much, mm. I think if there's one thing we can look at the pandemic, what that did, it forced more people to drive rather than fly. Right. And there's something about being on the road with your family. that just, it's just conducive to conversation, memories, you know, and all these little things that are, are fantastic. And I, and I, it brought me back to my childhood and, and we're drivers now. That's why I'm looking for this new SUV wagon, minivan, whatever it may be, because we plan to drive through a lot of the country this year. It's awesome. You already have. Yeah. <laughs> oh believe me yeah I, I feel like i feel like driving i call myself morgan freeman and driving miss daisy because you know angelique's doing work on the phone the kids are both on their ipads or watching a movie you know and i'm just like i'm just a driver i'm, I'm the chauffeur you know it's pretty cool you know one of the things that i was excited about <clears throat> moving back to the east coast uh was the accessibility of things and being able to drive to many locations, whereas where I was on the West Coast, um, even Portland, um, but more specifically in Boise, it's like it's five or six hours to anything like big city type thing. And there's nothing in between, which is cool. Uh, But the other part about it is being on the East Coast, you can go a day's drive in your, you know, DC or down to Florida to Jeff or over to uh, you know, Memphis in a day, you know, or whatever. You, there's so many things within a day's drive. That's pretty cool. So I'm looking well, forward. I, I Actually, I've been doing some trips. What's that? Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. I was just saying, I've, I've been making some trips. I've made several trips down to, to Florida. And I love that because it does bring back. We always drove uh, growing up here in South Carolina. We'd always drive down to Florida. Yeah. Never thought about flying. You know, now everybody wants to just hop on a quick flight down or whatever. So, but I love the, the drive. Well, I like to tease Jeff, you know, when you, when you hit Gainesville, you start hearing the banjos, they come on your radio, you know, <laughs> but no, that, that ride from anywhere from Florida, I'll include Tallahassee, Jeff, if you're driving, once you pass Gainesville, especially from, from Tallahassee, if you drive the panhandle, like from Tallahassee to Texas, 
it's not a fun drive. There's nothing mm-hmm. around, you know, and, and you have to go through either Mississippi or Louisiana and there's just, just not money things to do, but um, yeah, going up the East coast, not bad. Yeah. Going across, ugh. but we drove yeah. from Arizona to, uh, to Tennessee when we moved from Arizona to Tennessee and that was a crazy drive. And I'm the kind of person that stops along the way. I literally mm-hmm. am Clark Griswold because there's a spot <laughs> in Texas um, where they have like 10 Cadillacs buried nose deep. And my, I'm like, look, babe, that's kind of cool. I've heard Let's of that. Stop. And so my practical wife's like, why would we stop? And I'm like, I don't know, probably because I've been driving for four hours and I just need to see something. So we get out and there's like a little shed where you can buy spray paint and you walk about a quarter of a mile and you come upon these 10 Cadillacs buried nose wow. deep in the, in the dirt and everybody just spray paints. And I mean, it's, it's silly, but it's literally like a Clark Griswold moment. That's pretty cool. So yeah, have either... Cool. So have either of you driven across the U.S.? You know, when I was a kid, you know, speaking, when I was a kid, speaking of the West Coast, one of the most scenic, beautiful drives ever was my family. We flew into San Francisco when I was 12 and we drove down, uh, what is that, uh, one highway one there all along Mm -hmm. the coast. I mean, and you see, you know, if you're from the East Coast and you've never done that, then you're going to see some of the most beautiful country you've ever seen. Yeah. You're going to go through like Monterey and Carmel. Oh, yeah. You're going to see seals on the rocks. Um, <laughs> you know, you're just going to see things that you just don't see on the East Coast. So right. I've been fortunate enough through my youth and through obviously, you know, now that I'm the head of the family to really drive through most parts of the country. I've never taken out a map and, and really calculated it, but I, I would... We even drove one year from Minnesota through North Dakota, and that was an interesting, boring drive. <laughs> yeah, you know, I thought I was going to see buffaloes all over the place, and I think I saw one buffalo. And it was at a, <laughs> it was actually at like a rest stop. Wow. Yeah, I actually calculated a trip uh, 2019 when we moved out. We drove. Uh, well, actually, we flew. My daughters wanted to move, so I drove them out, and I thought that was a lot of fun. So I started in Bend, Oregon. Uh, over to Boise. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Uh, into Boise where, you know, picked up my daughters where, uh, that's where we were living. Uh, and then tootled on across the country, man, all the way to South Carolina. And it was, it was, it was so much fun. I wanted to turn around and do it again. It was, it was that much fun. And that's the thing. Look at, look at your face. Um, you know, the, just the, the expression that you got right there was such a genuine expression and you could see the memories coming to, Oh yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys are ready for a perfect segue. Uh, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm preempting this, but really the segue is, and it's ironic and I, and I'm not trying to do this, but I just thought of it in in the book. I talk about planes, trains, and automobiles Mm. and that one particular segment, because we've all, we're all on the move somehow. Right. We're moving jobs. We're moving cities where we're, the country is literally in a state of transition right now. And I talk about that particular scene in planes, trains and automobiles where Steve Martin falls asleep and uh, John Candy's driving and he's being told what? You remember what the guy's honking at him? I don't remember. It's been he's, so long he's being since told I've by it. the driver. You're going the going wrong, the wrong way. way. Like, so yeah. What happens is it's a great metaphor for life because you get kind of tired. You get kind of weary and you've been on the road for so long. And you kind of lose your focus and concentration. And then someone's telling you you're going the wrong way. Now, in this case, it was literally the, the, the car was beeping at them and they were going down the wrong way street and they were headed for ultimate, you know, danger or they were going to be killed. Well, metaphorically, you know, we're on this road of life and, and someone's either telling us, hey, you know what? You're, like, you're going the wrong way. You're, you're, you're beeping at somebody. They have an alcohol problem. Hey, mm. you're going the wrong way. 
or your marriage is, is falling apart and someone's telling you, beep, beep, hey, you're going the wrong way. And so we see how this metaphor unfolds. And if you look at the John Candy character, which is what most of us will do is, how the hell does this person know where I'm going? You know, yeah. like it, we blow it off because we don't want to be told we're going the wrong way. And eventually, you know, hopefully some people survive and they realize, you know, and some people don't. And so, you know, I think we're just a country on the move and um, we're all kind of adjusting to this. I won't even say new normal because we don't want to, you know, this can't be the new normal, but we are adjusting to things that are changing rapidly. And I would, you know, I just thought that was kind of ironic that we accidentally started off this conversation about being in a car, driving yeah. the country. And, and that's kind of like, what we're talking about in the pursuit with your pursuit and the podcast and this pursuit in the book. Yeah. So yeah, let's go there. Let's go into the book and uh, because it is called the pursuit and the subtitle on it is uh, the truth that will set you free is the truth that they don't want you to know. So can you, uh, can you dive into that a little bit more? Like what, what prompted you to, uh, to write this book, I guess the first, let's start okay. there. All right. Well, I think we should start that wasn't the pursuit was not the original name. You know, it, when you have an idea to write a book, you start kind mm. of writing. And I had, I had written my first book called turned on and it was all about how technology is kind of consuming us and it's breaking apart our relationships and our ability to connect with one another. Um, and then this turned on, I mean, um, the pursuit started off as just a collection of blog posts that I had been making about, you know, where are we going wrong? You know, we start to see things unfold and people are looking around going, what's happening here? Um, and it was originally titled, how did I miss that? Hmm. And that was my own experience of coming into the word of God and really starting to read the Bible. You know, I've been a Christian my entire life. I mean, you know, I went through all of the, all the things as a child. I went through even at Florida State University, which they call the Harvard of the South, right, Jeff? No, what it's called, they the do Harvard not. Of the South? <laughs> They've never muttered those words ever. No, I, I, I thought it was the Harvard of the South. But yeah. um, even, even when I went to Florida State, um, I, went to, I went to church, you know? I mean, look, let's face it, a lot, of, a lot of guys go to college and church is the last thing on their mind. But right. I just wanted to set that up for you. I've always been a Christian. But I was originally called the book, How Did I Miss That? Because for my, mm. when I got out of college, for most of my later 20s and all of my 30s, I was the lost sheep. I, and, and when I found God again, and, I, and my wife introduced me to actually opening up the Bible and literally reading it, mm. um, there's a lot of people who are what they call church hurt, that go to church yeah. early in their life, and they get hurt through abuse, or you know, it's just a cultish thing. And mm -hmm. I always said, I, I'm, I wasn't church hurt because I had a very good relationship with the church i was church disappointed mm -hmm. and i think that was my big revelation i was disappointed when i finally found the bible in my 40s and i finally was taught how to read scripture i was like where was this during my entire 30s when i almost died mm, yeah when i was mm. when i was you know i was i was doing illicit drugs when i was you know being uh fornicating on a regular basis you know and all these things that you're not supposed to do that I never had the word of God to say, Hey, this is what, this is what you're supposed to do. I yeah. had a church, I had a religion, but I had no relationship with Jesus Christ. That's good. Yeah. And, and so I was church disappointed and, and I was like, how did I miss all this? Mm. And so that was the original thing. And then, you know, 
talking with some people. I was like, you know what? But I'm really in pursuit of something. I want it to be not something negative, but something positive. In other yeah. words, how did I miss this? It was like, eh, how did I miss this? It's kind of complaining. And as you guys know, the pursuit of something is, is it's an action. Right. You know, it, it's, hey, I'm taking charge of something. So I wanted it to be a taking charge of it. Now, the subtitle was one that I kicked around. Jeff, you've written a book, and sometimes subtitles are the ones, you know, that are just, you sit there and you're like, what, what do I do? And you read, you know, you Google, how do you write a great subtitle? And actually, I, I kicked around a lot, and I got to give my wife credit. She's the one that came up with this. Hmm. You know, it was the truth that they don't want you to know is the truth that will set you free, right? And I was like, there is a lot of truth in that book, but it's being hidden. And we can get into that, but I'll just, that's how it started. Yeah, man, I, I love that. And I think uh, for me, uh, that whole thing resonated. You know, I grew up in the church, um, you know, eventually in high school, junior high, high school, uh, kind of uh, started experimenting with things, you know, it was, you know, buddy wanted to give me a beer. And so I have a beer with them. And then next thing you know, you're at parties and, you know, you're, you're living more of the worldly, uh, fleshly lifestyle. Uh, went on to college and had that conviction inside, but didn't, um, still wasn't pulling, drawing back to God really, or the Lord, you know, it's just kind of had that conviction knowing that I was doing something wrong. So yeah. I kind of ran, it was the cow, right? I was running from what I knew that I needed to be uh, or do. And that is run to God. I was running from God. I ran out to California, trying to avoid it, it was completely, oh. you know, uh, yeah, avoiding God altogether. And then, uh, you know, at some point then out there, I came to terms with that and faced it. Um, but where I was going with this is leading in, you know, develop, you know, it developed my relationship with God. And then, you know, now part of a church become leadership within a church. We leave, yep. uh, this one church in Portland, we go plant a church in Boise, Idaho, uh, and, uh, in leadership there, then we leave there, move here, and now we're trying to find our footing in church around in the South, uh, which is very religious. Uh, we'll say, right, it's more about the religion oh, yeah. and, and attending than anything else. And so what I found, though, is then shortly thereafter, 2020 hits. Now church is shut down, right, along with everything else can't say, I, I, I'll say that I don't necessarily agree with all of that, but you know, it's what they did. Yeah. And uh, I hated that. Uh, but one thing that I noticed, I, I, there was that disappointment for me looking at the church during that time, because here I'm like, we're, we're the children of God and we're running scared much like the rest of the world is. And like, how are we setting ourselves apart? We are to be set apart from yeah. the things of the world. And yet we're much like the world right now. And so it was, it was very um, disappointing, right? Yeah. To use your term, it was Great very term. disappointing. And I even talked to the pastors about it, you know, so uh, to where now their, their requirements before you can even enter the building to worship God. And I'm like, this is, this is wrong. This is bad. Right. But let me get back. Uh, so then they opened the doors back up. We're open back up. They removed all mask requirements and everything else. And I go 
to live service again. And I was very, I was even more disappointed because of the koinonia. I don't know if you're familiar with that word, the fellowship, like breaking bread, koinonia, deep relationship with other believers is what I got into. Jeff and I, with the council and with other groups that I'm a part of the, you know, online discipleship with other men things like that was just so much richer and deeper. And like you're saying, like really, truly opening up the word and how do we apply this to our lives? Like the truth to our lives and how do we live this out? Didn't seem to be coming across in the four walls. And that was the disappointment. And so um, I feel that with you when you said that. Well, you know, I was going to a church. We've been on the road a lot. There's a great church in uh, Destin, Florida, um, actually Miramar. I think it's called Miramar, Florida, in the panhandle there that we spent uh, two months at. It's called Destiny. And, um, you know, a pastor came out. It was so funny because he was Greek, uh, Greek born, and, but he's, he's, a, he's from Alabama, I think, and he's got this southern draw. So to see a guy <laughs> who's Greek with a southern draw is just like, and, and he's just a great pastor, and he was giving truths. You know, like he was delivering stuff and I was looking around and people were giving like golf claps, you know, and, and I, and I had this <laughs> Not shouting them down though. Huh? Yeah. I had this epiphany because we've been so, um, so kind of, uh, we've been so overtaken by culture. That's what a big mm. part of the book was. We've been so driven by culture and what we're allowed to clap for and what we're allowed to say. Mm. And I'm looking around going, Hey, you know, body of Christ right here, this man's taking a bold stance for things that are in the Bible for things that might not be popular with culture, and you can't give them a golf clap. And it's not just happening at this church. It's happening at churches across our country when you're having mm-hmm. bold pastors who are standing up for the word of God, and yeah. their, their congregation is kind of looking around going, are we allowed to are we allowed? Yeah, to should we be that? clapping on this? Yeah. Because in public, we can't. And on Facebook and, and Instagram, I'll get banned if I clap for that. But, you know, you're going to have to make a decision. And, and these pastors are going oh, out yeah. there, and they're few and far between now. And so one of the things you mentioned, Tim, which is very interesting, again, the, the parallels already, is you mentioned you were running, right? Mm-hmm. And so I set up the first part of this book talking about what's going on, you know, the problems, what, what we're seeing. But the last part, I got to give them solutions. So the last three chapters are three stories from the Bible that can really help people get out of any situation that they're in right now. And when the three things that I've identified that most people are, are hurting from, whether it's in their their relationship with their spouse or their children, whether it's in their business, whether it's in their body or their, or their faith journey, is they're either running from something, they're either waiting and lingering in a spot where they should have been passing mm. through, or they're just not trying hard enough. And this yeah. is what I call the three J's of the book. Now, running who ran? Jonah. Yeah. Jonah, Jonah was the, the consummate runner. He ran from God. And that's what we're all doing. We're all running from something. And eventually you're going to have to stop running and turn around and face your problem. 100%. The other thing is what we're doing is we're, we're lingering in a place that we should have been passing through. And this is the, the best story. This is Exodus and, and the J, right? We know Joshua, right? We, he, he's, yeah. got to, he's got to lead his people. And then the third one is a, a little known story from King Joash. It's, in, it's tucked away in the book of Kings, and it's only like two paragraphs. And, and I think this one I, I saved for last because – it tells a story of a king who was given orders, mm. right, to shoot his arrows, and he only shot three, right? And, and, mm-hmm. and God was basically saying, why would you do that? 
You know, he was he was given a, a word from the prophet, and and the prophet says, "Why would you only shoot three? You would have had a complete victory." And so much of us were just not pouring all of ourselves into it, just like those people wow, giving a golf clap. Like pour yourself into it. But going so back to the running part, right? What are we running from? You know, I ran from a relationship. You know, Jonah ran because he was spiteful. He ran because he hated the Ninevites, right? I ran mm-hmm. from love because I was scared. Uh, I got cold feet. And God gives us a second chance. So whatever you're running from right now, God's going to give you a second chance. But Amen. the reason why I love the Bible and why we say we are church disappointed when we don't know it is because the Bible's not a kumbaya. There's not a happy ending like a fairy tale. <laughs> there are stories that are of real people. And look, if you don't obey the word of God, guess what? The, the happy ending is not going to be there. Now, we don't really know what happened to Jonah, but we know it wasn't good. The last time we see him is, is when he is you know, sitting under the tree and he's still cursing right. God saying, I'm better off dead. And so it's not a great, happy kumbaya. Everybody walks away at the end and everybody lives happily ever after. So, you know, there's a lot there that you can see it. My, my level of passion just grows when I talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah. When it's like, and Jonah wasn't even like, he didn't choose it. I think part of the fight was he was called to do that. And he, he questioned where God was coming from. Like why in the world, like you said, he like these people, this is who you want me to go do. And how yeah. many times are we challenged on a regular basis and we're nudged by the Holy Spirit to do something? And we go, what? No mm-hmm. way. I'm not going to pray for that person. I'm not going to be nice exactly. to them. And, you know, what have they done to me or what have they done for me? And it's mm-hmm. that, that running. And then when you were talking about running, both of you is how many times in society as men do we run from the problems that we have at home to work? or to other things. And some people are like, well, I don't do anything bad. Well, you work all the time. And that way you don't have to face the things that God's asking you to face. Um, but it seems noble because, well, he's working, he's got, he's, you know, in the grind right now, but I would challenge everybody is you can't run. You've got to face it. Yeah. Jeff, you, you said something really quick that, you know, one of the other major problems that is identified here is that we have a younger generation that's being taught that the Bible is just a book. It mm. was written by regular guys, and they yes. had prejudices, and you can't really rely on it. And one of the things about being church hurt is you'll see younger people. I mean, the facts are there. I lay them out. I studied it. I researched it. The fact is the church is losing younger people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's under 50% for the first time in a long time. And what you're seeing is because they don't know that these stories are relative to what's going on in their life so you just mentioned it jeff there's so many things that we're running from and if you don't look at the bible and say how can i use this right now right here right because jonah was tasked with doing something that he didn't want to do so look at our political division between left and right right now and i and i and i asked this question pick the person whatever side you're on that you loathe the most right if you're a conservative pick the liberal that you loathe the most it doesn't take long there's somebody in your head right now that you're like you've cursed them. If you're if you're on the on the left, if you're a liberal, pick somebody on the right who you loathe and you can't stand. And now imagine that God says, I want you to go to that person and save them. Mm-hmm. What's your initial reaction? Why would I do that? I yeah. want them to, I want them to pay the price for what they've done. I if they burn in hell, so be it. But that's not what the Bible says. 
you know, and, and you might see that in a, in a family relationship. How many relationships has COVID destructed in the family where you're arguing with a brother or sister or niece or yeah. nephew, your mother or father, and, and God's telling you, you know, go to that person, fix it. And you're saying, but I can't, that's too hard. Right. Yeah. I think uh, the challenge that, you know, for us to remember, you know, in all of this is, is that when, when God does call us to do something, it's always going to be counter to the culture of the world today, right? It's always going to be yeah. different. It's always going to be against it. He's always, it's like the, um, I heard a sermon many years ago. It's like the flip-flop, right? It's always the opposite of what you would want to do or think you want to do. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, the, the verse that came to me, I don't have the exact uh, scripture reference, but it's his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than ours. They're always, it's always going to be different. And it's always going to be counter to the culture of what is today. And so that if we are getting comfortable in culture yep. and God calls us to do something against the culture, we're going to be like, oh, you know, hence the, the golf claps, you know, because it's he's the pastors are saying things against the current culture of today. And I'm with you on that as far as like. That's something that I, I thought of last year, and it's been really stirring in me over the course of the last year. Of and I, I had a conversation with um, Kyle uh, Thompson here just recently on Daunted Life. Uh, he was on a podcast, and we we spoke a lot about this this here as well. And one of the things that I did not hear, I, I've never heard, and I've been in church leadership and around pastors, and maybe it was just the circles that I was in, but very few, if, if ever, have I heard any of them speak out against the wrong, wrong or the sin of, of like Pride Month and LGBTQU or whatever the heck the acronyms are, you know, and, and, and Chad Wright spoke out about it. It's like, why are we celebrating this as a culture, as a society? We're celebrating pride which is a sin you know and all of these other things and it's like wow he's absolutely right like no one's pushing back against it it's just the acceptance of and that for me is where the disappointment comes in yeah the devil has really uh, infiltrated the, the parts of our lives which we're most susceptible to and we have to realize this right he you know in the garden he didn't he didn't lie to eve he deceived her correct you know her eyes were open Yep. You know, um, she didn't die. But even with us, you know, uh, uh, the three of us here right now, you know, and I and I say in the book, I don't want to I never want to pre apologize for anything. But, you know, what we have to realize is that when you write a book about theology, that there are going to be two guarantees. Half the people are going to love you and half the people are going to hate you for it. So I know people are going to agree with me and pat me on the back. And I know people are going to want to, you know, disagree with me, even with the three of us here you know, who we would say maybe 95% of what we believe in, we're going to, we're going to be like, yeah, but there might be something that, you sure. know, what with theology that we don't particularly agree on. Now, not everybody is, is going to get what we say. And if we look back to the Reformation, um, you know, I, I, I point out specifically that, you know, Martin Luther, his goal wasn't to, uh, you know, divide the church it was to unite it but look at what happened since the reformation look mm. at how many different factions of christianity they are 
So for the outsider, the non-believer, the agnostic looks like you guys can't even agree on anything. How am oh. I supposed to believe that? So what we want to do is we want to go back to the original church. And that's why this book is pointing back people back to the original infallible word of God. Okay. And what, what we see is that even in China, where there's a million, uh, a million strong Christian movement of, of millions of people, and Xi Jinping, this is, there's an article that I quote in the book where he realized that he couldn't stop Christianity from spreading. And you just can't. People say, how is it going to live? And it, it's got a weird way of infiltrating the places where people try and keep it out of, the universities, the, the prisons and stuff, where it's needed most. It has a weird way of finding its way because his word is so powerful. But here's what you're going up against. You're going up against people who are really smart, and they have the enemy on their side. So Xi Jinping, what he does is he realizes that he cannot – stop Christianity from spreading, but what he can do is he can start printing Bibles himself, and he can start printing Bibles in his word. So people say, hey, I got the Bible, and it says, you know, socialism and communism is great, but it's not the real Bible, right? It's not yeah. the one, so we have to be very careful, and, and we're losing the word, and one of my favorite quotes when we talk about, you know, anybody can quote scripture, but there are some really key ones, and Deuteronomy 6, okay, says, these are the commandments that I give to you, today. They are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, mm -hmm. right? So what it's telling us is this is not just for Sunday. You have to talk about these things Let's with go. your children. You have to discuss them with your friends. You know, Christianity and, and Jesus should not be a taboo topic. Even yesterday, we had some people in our neighborhood here that were having a get-together. And I'll be, I'll be honest with you guys. I thought about this afterward. When it happened, I realized, and I said, I got to do a better job. Everybody's meeting each other for the first time, and they say, what do you do? And it comes to me, and I'm, I fumbled it. I fumbled it. But I should have just said, you know what? My goal is to, is to create more believers in Jesus Christ, and that's my goal. I'm an author. Uh, um, um, we run a ministry marketplace, and my goal is to do that. But we are conditioned so much on Monday through Saturday to not mention Jesus, to not right. talk That's about fair. religion, to not talk about faith, that when it comes time to be bold, even for the boldest who are yeah. writing books about yeah. it, our tongues get tied. Yeah. And it's that in everybody has different levels of comfort when it comes to boldness and, and a good thing in a pursuit is it all starts with a few steps. You've got to have that forward motion yeah. And one of the things that I did was I just put a Bible verse underneath my name on LinkedIn. And I had people call me like, what are you doing? You're never going to get a job. I'm like, well, then that's not yeah. the job that I want. I mean, if you can't <laughs> yeah, allow me to put a Bible verse underneath my name on LinkedIn. Yeah. But that started for me a momentum of comfort because it was scary because that's yeah. what they've all told us is you never mix religion and politics with work. Well, politics isn't throughout the corporate world. Yeah. Forget but that. <laughs> they forbid, you know, you can't pray, you can't do anything, you know, as it regards to that. And I thought, you know what, that's going to be my first step of being bold. And then, yeah. then it's then actually posting Bible verses on LinkedIn and, and really getting in more into that. And it's been interesting. I've had more positive feedback than I've received negative feedback about it. Yeah. And I think what we can do, and David, you're a prime example of this, and, and Tim as well, is that the more bold that we are, the more inspiration and yeah. 
um, authenticity that it creates for someone else to say, well, if they can do it, I'll try it. And they'll dip their toe in the water. And we have to create that pursuit of action for other people as well. Jeff, I I had almost, when you were saying that, I I had, I mean, I remember as clear as day, I had the same kind of thought. We were uh, in 2016. um, I had just been uh, baptized. And uh, I remember where exactly we were. We were in this this church in Sedona. Now, Sedona is one of those places where it's a very (laughs) metaphysical place. Um, And so this is an ironic thing that I was in this beautiful church there. And I remember at that time, my business partners were saying, I know you're a Christian and no means a lot to you, but you probably should water it down a little bit because you're going to be cutting off a lot, a large majority of your audience who doesn't want to hear about that maybe. And I remember looking at that time and I said, my, my wife and I are having a great relationship. We've got two beautiful kids. We're in a great house. We're, we're doing great financially. I go, that's because of God. That's because mm-hmm. of Jesus. And if for me to deny him or cut him off right now is, is exactly what I shouldn't do. And I remember being a, you know, a writer my whole life. I kind of put into those metaphorical terms and I made a post saying that, um, you know, I'm no longer going to make Jesus a footnote, but I'm going to make him a headline. And mm-hmm. I, and I, and I mm-hmm. kept that one. And, and what you, it takes bold leadership, especially from men, right? From men right now. That's what we need. I agree. I agree. And, you know, one of the things that you had mentioned in Deuteronomy six is talking about, it's, it's a, it's a daily thing. It's a routine that we're a part of that we do on a regular basis, not something that we keep behind four walls in a secret club. Uh, and so one of the, the things that really stood out uh, in Jeff, when you were talking, I thought of it this way as um, Will Brenham, we had him at our battle ready uh, weekend experience. And he talks, he talked about uh, when they're preparing for battle, when they're prepared. So they have a mission, you know, a deployment that they're going on. So they do an 18 month workup for a six month deployment with the SEAL teams. An 18 month workup. Another thing that Chad uh, said to me once, he said, more team guys die in training than ever downrange on com- in combat and around mission. Yeah. And that just showed to me, we're not doing enough. We're not doing enough to prepare ourselves for the battle out there to, to, I mean, they're 18 months for a six month deployment. I mean, that's, that's breaking it down. And he even said, they break it down from the smallest little thing and they build them themselves up. How much are we actually doing that to prepare ourselves to fight or to counter or to just love you know, one of the things that you said, since I said love is you said, uh, I can't even remember exactly what you said, but the scripture um, in John, where it says that uh, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, I think it was in the church and how they were kind of headbutting and fighting. And mm-hmm. most of the people, you know, outside yeah. of the church, look at the church, they're disappointed. They don't like, cause they look at us and they're like, you guys are fighting inside. So, but again, it's back to that preparation. What are we doing okay. to prepare ourselves to love one another, preparing ourselves to, to show love to others outside? So this is, this is a fantastic transition, um, considering what you just said. So one of the greatest inspirations for the book is I had a mentor of mine who um, he, he invited us to a, a week-long uh, Bible study in two, 2019. And the interesting part is this man was raised Jewish and he converted to Christianity at 21. 
Um, so he knows Hebrew. He studied the Bible 10 years, eight hours a day, all over the world. He just devoted himself. Now, he's not a pastor. He's not a preacher. He's just a regular guy who had a thirst for the Bible. And mm. when you talk about the preparation and what goes into it and how we need to do the little things, uh, this is one of the quotes he gave me. And, and this is a perfect thing. He goes, any teacher of calculus will tell you that if you're not having success in calculus, it's because your algebra and your t- trigonometry aren't up to par. Ooh, yeah. It's because your multiplication and your division might be slow. So be it calculus or the Bible, truth only makes sense when you have the prerequisite or the foundation to understand it. And so whether it's training for something and doing the little things leading up to it, or it's learning the Bible, what the, the big aha in my life was going back to being church hurt is, and, I, and I've, I've talked to my mom about this just last week when we watched the Easter Mass from St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City. My mom was you know, insistent on Easter morning watching that, and I said, Mom, what is our strategy for bringing new people and young people into the church? And mm-hmm. she goes, well, David, they'll just get it. And I'm like, no, <laughs> you, you can't. She goes, well, at some point in their life, everybody will have the get. I go, I know the, the Bible says that, but in the book, I say, just because is not a good reason to believe. You mm-hmm. can't, you can't <clears throat> give foundational principles in Christ in, in the Bible and without giving them the Bible. You can't say just because. That's right. and, and, and look at what that is. When we're, when we're young and we're in that rebellious stage and we're 16 to 20 and your parents tell you stuff, right? You, you've got to have a prerequisite for it. Why? You know, don't do this. Well, why, mom and dad? Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. well, just because. Well, that's not a good excuse. I'm not going to learn that way. And what's happening is when we're taking away the word, and I will get in trouble for this, but look, I was raised Catholic. My aunt is a Catholic nun. And I don't dislike that. I don't want to have an argument with the Catholics, but we have to look at what's happening. You have to look at what's happening. Here's a perfect example, and this is a fact. You can look it up. Look it up. In, in 2018, Pope, Pope Francis said, we're going to take the Catholic homily, which is the part where they give the impartation and they teach. They talk about it. We're <laughs> going to take that from 20 minutes down to 10 minutes. And, and when I heard that, I was like, wait a minute. Mm. So the part where we connect with our audience, let's go back to, let's go back to college, Jeff. And let's go back to college. When you had classes where the teacher just lectured or they just put up notes, right? How much did you learn versus the ones that created a relationship and they asked yeah. you questions you participated in? We have a bunch of young people out there right now that aren't getting the word of God because, well, if they're going to church and you're getting 10 minutes, what can you learn in 10 minutes? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and they're, they're even admitting it. I mean, this is going to make some people mad, but look it up. This is a direct quote. He goes, Pope Francis said, he said, um, there was a priest once that said, I'm happy because me and my friends found a church where they do mass without a homily, like without talking, you know, and they're saying basically that they're not getting people. So how are we going to recruit people into Christianity? How are we going to make more believers, especially a younger generation, when some of the foundational principles of Christianity are not even being talked about? Mm. Like, I need to learn the Bible. I needed to know, and that's why at the end of every section of this book, at the end of every chapter, I put a did you know section in. 
Okay. Originally, guys, I'm not I'm not a man who has a huge like I'll believe anything. I'm I'm your typical skeptic. <laughs> I'm skeptical about everything. And so for me to really believe, I needed facts, I needed history. Just believe wasn't enough. Okay. Mm-hmm. But when you start to teach people about the about prophecy and Bible prophecy, here's a perfect one. So out of the 300 uh, prophecies that include Jesus, they, they, a particular author, he took 10 of them. He said, let's just take the 10 big ones, where he was born, where he's prophesied, where he's born, how he was going to die, you know, the major ones. And he said, let's look at this from a mathematical perspective. He said, for 10 of those prophecies to come true, the odds of that happening would be 1 times 10 to the 17th power. Okay, so we wrap our heads around that, but most people don't even know what that number looks like. Mm-hmm. It's like a quadrillion, right? But if you yeah. said, hey, the odds of Jesus f- fulfilling these prophecies were one times 10 to the 17th power, some people might be like, yeah, okay, I don't really know what that means. Here's the genius part. He goes, let's put that into perspective. That's like taking a bunch of silver dollars and lining them a foot deep across the entire state of Texas and blindfolding somebody and saying, now go find the one silver dollar that I put a mark on. That's the chances of these 10 prophecies wow. coming true. Wow. Texas is a really big state. I live here right now. Yeah. It no, I was going to say, when you were talking about the just because, and I'm I'm 100% guilty of this, is I would say that because I didn't know how to answer the question. When somebody would ask me, and this goes to your point about having to study and learn and know, most people say just because, because they don't know how to answer it. There was a great, um, there was a comedian that talked about kids and eventually he just said, shut up and eat your French fries because they just kept asking questions that proved that the parent didn't know the answer. And so that's when they got frustrated and said, just eat your French fries because it was, why is the sky blue? Why, you know, and then they continue to ask those questions. And as uh, believers, we should be excited when people are asking those questions, yeah. because that means they're looking for an answer. And if we're not prepared, we need to pass them off to someone who's yeah. stronger in that area and say, look, I don't have all the answers to give you a confident position. I'm in the process of studying that myself. Let's go find somebody who can help us both. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, David, if in your book, uh, The Pursuit, if you talk about the learning process, because to me, being a learner is a disciple, right? That's what a disciple, a disciple is. He's a learner. He's a learner of Christ. He's studying Christ. He's studying how to live the way Christ did, the way Christ yeah. talks us, or tells us to. So I think that having that heart or that mentality of I'm a learner, I'm a learner, I'm a learner, I want to learn, we're not yeah. threatened when someone starts to ask questions, we can approach it saying, Hey, you know what? I'm learning this. I'm studying this as well. Like, yeah. So you said something a couple of minutes ago, you're like, I don't know what exactly verse it is. Right. And, and I'm the same way. I you've seen pr- pastors and preachers and people who, who will just like, like they've learned the Bible and they can mm-hmm. rattle it off. And we think as, as fathers and husbands and podcasters, I said to myself, you know, I'm never going to be that person that could probably rattle off everything in the Bible. Does that mean I'm not qualified to teach? Mm-mm. And we have to tell ourselves, no, 
and when we go back to that Deuteronomy, we have to be able to bring up things and say, well, let's find out where it says that. We have to, um, you know, one pastor of mine says, we do need shepherds. The, the Bible says we need to be yeah. shepherded. So we right. do need these pastors. But I believe that the future of the church, and when I say the church, I mean the body of Christ, I believe the future is in small groups. Yeah. Um, I believe that we need a church. 100%. But what you see is you see these mega churches. We've seen what's happened to Hillsong. We see what's happened to some of these mega church pastors. And, and there's, you're missing the relational part. We're, mm-hmm. we're bringing people in on this rock star new Christianity where they're going to go to church, they're going to see laser light shows, they're going to hear great music, and they're going to hear a pastor get up there and say all the wonderful things of the prosperity gospel that they want to hear. You'll, you'll receive riches, you'll receive joy, and everything is going to be perfect. And then that's not the brand of Christianity that I think is going to spread. Now, it's, it's, it's what's attractive, yeah. but it's also what's scary. I think there's a little bit of the devil in that one there. We have to be careful of that. Because if you're just telling about that and you're not telling about how to repent, right? That's the first thing, repent. Right, come on. It's, it's the key. Um, and one of the major focuses, again, this book has taken so many twists and turns. It was just originally going to be about Jeremiah 29, 11. It was mm. originally going to be about the prosperity gospel because mm-hmm. I saw so many people who were drawn into that. You know, and I won't mention any pastors, but you know the prosperity preachers out there. You know that they're they're... They're really attractive to a younger generation who doesn't want to be told that you can't do something. That younger generation of Christians is being sold on what I call an a la carte Bible, a smorgasbord where they can say, well, I like the salvation. I like if I'm sick, I can be healed. I I like if I pray to God for love and prosperity that I can get that, but I don't want to be told that I can't be promiscuous. I don't want to be told that I I cannot love whoever I want to love, you know? And so we That's have good. to be very cautious there. And people are going to need, sorry about that. People are going to need um, real education in those things. Mm-hmm. That the, the path, <laughs> the gate is narrow. Right. The Bible speaks of love, but the gate is narrow. It is not everybody gets in. And some people don't want to hear that. You know, if you would have told mm. me when I was doing drugs and being promiscuous, that I wasn't going to get in, I probably wouldn't have listened either, you know, because I didn't want to hear that. And we have to tell people there's going to come down to a choice that they have to make. And in Jeremiah 29, 11, what, what God is saying, the Jewish word that, that I was using in the book is salah. And it means to, I will push forward with a divine authority. It doesn't mean necessarily money by itself. Right. You know, I, I, I use a lot of these Jewish words because the guy who, who my mentor was, told me about this. And the Jewish language is so beautiful. And words have either two meanings or several meanings. Right. And so different versions of the Bible will pick out a meaning. And so if we know a Jeremiah 29, 11, and the people were being <clears throat> thrown into bondage and given over to Ebenezer, what happens is they're going to be told by Jeremiah, hey, you know what, you will prosper. And everybody's like, right on, bro. You know, and I compare that to the um, COVID right? The pandemic right. and just the left and right, what's going on right now. If somebody came down, a, 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 a prophesizer came to us right now and said, hey guys, guess what? Pandemic's over. Wars are over. Um, you'll prosper again. Left and right will come together. Right now, everybody will be like, jam, let's do this. I want some of that. That's what I'm signing up for. Yeah. And then if that same person said, well, 
you're you're going to have to suffer a little bit. There there <clears throat> will it will come, but it, you're you got another seventy years. <laughs> like and that's not what I want. Like right. we are in a we are in a culture right now from our cell phones to our downloads to our internet connections where we want it now. Fast food, we want it now. Anything that has to be prepared, anything that we have to wait for, any downloads that take mm. longer than twenty seconds not good with us and that's not the god of the bible that's not the way we build things you don't build a foundation of of a family you don't build a foundational business like you guys are building on on materials that are cheap you know you go back to the original uh parable of the three little pigs whose house stood the storm it was the right. one who took time to build a foundation and not just build it on on you know straw yeah yeah <clears throat> so good so good. I, I uh, you know, when you were, you were talking about uh, the churches and stuff, the small church, I thought of, you know, it's the Acts 2 church, right? It's, yeah. it's back oh, exactly. to Acts 2. And, and I think, you know, definitely have gotten away from that. And that's where my heart is, is I think my growth over the last year has been, or I, I should say last few years has been in my mind uh, so many and, and being 20 some years in church leadership, I feel like I've grown more in the last few years being in this close, smaller group, tight, working through the Bible in our lives than ever being a part of, cause we're a part of some large churches. I mean, you know, uh, you know, 250 by, I mean, it wasn't thousands, but 250 still considered a large church in America. Yeah. And so, uh, but I mean, you, you miss so much there as well. And so I think you're right. Being, bringing things closer, bringing things more tight, um, to home church, uh, more the way it was designed, uh, Acts 2 was designed, but then also having shepherding. I think you're right on that. I, I know you're right on that. Uh, the Bible speaks of it. So I think we have to be very careful as those who have, you know, may not have gone back to a, a home church. We need to have something of that to have that shepherding um, as well, because we can get kind of squarely on our own. <laughs> Well, I'm going back to, you know, what we talk about is it's an inside out approach, right? Um, it starts in a family and I'm, I'm looking again, here's the thing, anybody out there listening right now, and I love the fact that you mentioned this, Tim, like when we get passionate about the word of God, you know, there's so many hard names in the Bible. There's so many verses that, you know, people have memorized, but you know, if we get something wrong and we get the name wrong or the particular verse wrong, you know, people can't point that out. It's, it's really the overall message. And, and my mentor said, you can't just take one verse. Uh, it has to be a context of the Bible, Correct. you know, right. and that's, that's the hard thing about teaching it is you don't just read it from beginning to end. Um, it's, it fits perfectly. It is infallible. The word of God is infallible. There are 100%. no, there are no mistakes, but that's why you need a shepherd. You need somebody to help you out. And, you know, <clears throat> there's a particular verse in there where it says it is upon it's the, the responsibility of the parents and grandparents. And that's, Another thing that I told my mom and dad, I said, you know, as grandparents get older, you know, one of the things that we need to do, their primary responsibility, especially when they retire, is, you know, the Bible says it's your role and it's your job and responsibility to impart the word of God into a younger generation. You know, and there's we're getting so much from the schools. We're getting so much from the universities that are going against the word of God. And we can't just expect our kids to say just because and battle that. 
we can't expect them to go into this spiritual war that we're in right now. And if anybody doesn't think we're in a spiritual war, go Google what um, Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly said. You know, look at some of these people that are openly inviting in uh, <clears throat> the devil <clears throat> into yeah. their brands. Even even someone like um, who's the famous? Oh, Tony Hawk. You know, putting his blood into the skateboard. And and some of these things, you're like, where did we go wrong? It's because yeah. The parents have abandoned, and I'm not talking about everybody, I'm not pointing fingers, but in a large degree, we've given up the responsibility of raising these kids to the government or to church. To the church. I Oh, yes. I'm sitting here thinking like the church has now taken over the responsibility of training up the child versus the parent and pushing back on the parents for just wanting the church to do that. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I'm sitting here no, thinking, you're, you're, I'm like, the church on. is, you know, the church is, is, is just as at fault. Yeah. Because well, there's, there, yeah, there, there, there's a thing here where we have to be strong and, and we are going to go up against churches. We are going to go up against the government. We are going to go up against the school boards. Right. And um, it's funny because I love music. And I, I even told my publisher, I said, look, I'm going to, every chapter of my book is going to be a music title. <laughs> because I needed a way to make it, by the way. Yeah. Uh, you got to run DMC shirt on. <laughs> so I needed a way to make it fun. And one of the chapters that I love, it's called Rebel Rebel, right? Uh, it's a reference to Billy Idol. But um, it leads off with a quote by A.W. Tozer, which says, you know, you can be what's called, he says, a holy rebel, which means you can love people and still not agree with their lifestyle. That's and, and that's what we need to realize yeah, is yeah, that it, it shouldn't be either you're with me or against me. And if you don't believe everything I believe, then I'm going to cut you off. That's not what Jesus would do. Mm-mm. Right. He lived his life by an example. He lived his life by an example. And we need to know that we can love people who are sinners. We can love people who don't agree with us. But we don't have to necessarily agree with their lifestyle. And that's where, that's where we win people over. It's, it's almost an act of, of attrition where, you know, the person may be looking at you for years and not agree with you. And then they come to you years later and say, you know what? I, I found God. Um, I had to go through my own journey. For me, it was, you know, it was I had to walk out of a nightclub in the morning. I had to walk out of a club mm-hmm. in South Beach at 10 o'clock in the morning by myself, looking at families, going to the beach on a Sunday morning, and realize to myself that, David, you're chasing something that you'll never find. God whispered to me that day. He said, David, I know you're looking for something. I know you're looking for meaning, but you are right now chasing a carrot that's always going to be in front of you, and you need to pluck yourself out of this place physically and physically move to get yourself out of this environment. And literally the next day I put all my stuff in, in garbage bags. I quit my job, broke up with the girl I was dating. And I moved from Miami to Tampa because it was a wake up call for me. Now, somebody could have, you know, there was plenty of people who were trying to get me to read the Bible back then, but I, yeah, I was rebellious. And sometimes we need to go through that thing. We, you know, Paul is, is probably, mentioned more than any other person in this book. You know, I mentioned God first more than anybody, but Paul, the apostle, because he had such a amazing transformation, he would have been the last person that anybody would have thought would ever, you know, perpetuate the word right. of Jesus Christ. And, and God chose him for a reason. And, you know, if we don't believe that Paul was a true convert and a true believer, 
ask yourself this. He was beaten on five different occasions, 39 lashes, right, with a cat of nine tails, which mm -hmm. is designed to inflict the most amount of pain. So ask yourself how many lashes it would take for you to deny somebody. You know, I, I, I would say that the average person wouldn't last 10 to 15 before they'd say, you know what? Uh, yeah, let's just forget about that Jesus guy and let's get back to having wine and wine and, you know, and bread mm -hmm. because it was a painful thing. He was bitten by snakes. He was shipwrecked. He was persecuted. He was stoned. And still he believed so much in this word of God because he was so um, divinely inspired. He was so anointed that that was his yes. mission. And, that's where we get most of our <clears throat> theology today is from Paul. Amen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I want to go back on something real quick because I, I love the story of Paul because you're right. He, he was like, you know, persecuting Christians, <laughs> you know, he was condemning them. And then he turns, gets radically, you know, say divine intervention from on his life. And now he's helping others. But I, I and I love Paul. But I want to go back a little bit and how do we love people and hate sin? Because we are yeah. called to hate sin, but love mankind and have yeah. compassion for mankind. And I want to give two quick stories real quick to demonstrate this for the listeners, because we have people in our lives like this. We have people that are sinning on a regular basis that we don't like, we, don't, we see them and we, we, we have a hard time loving where they are. Um, yeah. A perfect uh, example of this was we, we moved back here because my parents aren't old in age. They're old in health. Their health is just, just bleh, right? So we moved back here to be closer, to redeem some of that time. You know, I've been out there 28 years, come back here to spend some time with them. I don't know how much time I have with them. So I thought, hey, let's come back. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's uh, be with them. No sooner than a week after we had, we had moved back. Um, uprooted a comfortable life and came back here, you know, and to a, to a foreign land, essentially, because I've been gone for nearly 30 years. It's very different than where I grew up. So I'm there. We just have dinner with my dad. My dad has diabetes, congestive heart failure, high blood pressure, uh, um, a myriad of other different things. So anyway, he, he has dinner loaded with carbs doesn't allow the time for those things to kind of kick in and everything to go, you know, um, and he shoves a cupcake in his mouth. Cause he says, Oh, watch. Cause we're saying, Hey dad, you don't need the cupcake. Just allow the things that, you know, it's okay. You know, you don't need, Oh, I'm okay. Watch. And he shoves the entire cupcake in his mouth. I was just furious, man. I mean, my blood was boiling at that moment because I was like, I did not move across the country to watch you kill yourself with gluttony sin i did not want you know move here to watch you kill yourself and i was infuriated i looked at my wife and i said i'm so ready to walk out of here right now let's just leave and she said no calm down it's okay da, 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 da. so i whoop, pushed it down and i stayed there and we had a conversation later she says tim you'll never win him over by telling him what he's doing wrong by always telling them, dad, you don't need that cupcake. Dad, you don't need this. Dad, you don't need that. Dad, you shouldn't be eating this. Dad, you shouldn't be eating that. You'll win him over by just loving him where he's at. Because here's the thing. Let's say he's here another year, two years, five years, 10 years, and you're sitting in a lack of peace around him. The Bible also talks about if it's up to you, pursue peace. 
Yeah. You know, so it's up to me to pursue peace with my dad and while I'm in the presence of my dad. So what do I do? I love him where he's at. When I took on that, that mindset, that shift in my, my brain, you know, I was just like, okay, I love him. I love him no matter what I can see through the sin and see him for who he is and our relationship. Not that it was terrible. It was great, but I wasn't always just hammering him and getting frustrated in this lack of peace rising up within me. Another quick story. Her dad comes to live with us. Her dad is dying of cancer. This was uh, in 2017, 2018. He comes to live with us and he's a worry wart. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I, that, that's the farthest from me. I don't want any of it. Right. So yeah. I'm very faith filled, very, I speak faith. I live faith. So here we are after about a year or so him living with us, he's a few months from passing and we know this. Yeah. And so he comes up to me, he says, Tim, I noticed something about you. He goes, it's not that you don't have things in your life going on. He goes, I know you do. I see it. I hear it. I know you guys have struggles and challenges, but you've, you've inspired me. You've encouraged me that all this worry and anxiety that I've been living with for my entire life was for nothing. He was like to watch you, to see you live out your life that way. And I say all that just because it's like, I just loved, I didn't criticize him. I didn't count, you know, I yep. just, yep. I just loved him for who he was, even in the midst of his worry, in the midst of, you know, sin, just loved him. And that turned his heart. Well, I'll tell you what, let's go back to music and, and we'll, what we'll do is we'll talk about exactly what you just spoke of. So I'll ask you and your listeners, right? Think about your favorite song right now, right? The song that you love the most. And could you sing it? Could you Probably. sing it? You know, and, and then you ask yourself, did you ever sit down and study the lyrics? Did you ever Google the lyrics and put them up and read them and read them and read them? What happens was, is you were in the presence of that song most often. You know, mm -hmm. Jim Rohn says, you know, you are the sum of the five people that yeah. you are around the most often. And so are we around people who are, are, are with godly principles or are we around people who are looking for an earthly prosperity? And so presence is one of the keys. We have to have more presence in, in the word, more presence around people who know the word. And so if you can learn a song without having to study it, just like your, uh, just like your father-in-law or your father, you can learn something by being around you. And that's what happens is when, yes. if you're a Christian, you know, you don't want to beat somebody over the head. That's not the way to go. Perfect example, going back to music is, um, just before we left Tennessee, Angelique and I wanted to knock something off my bucket list, not necessarily hers. I talked her into it. Um, <laughs> I wanted to go to a kids concert, right? I, I was a kid. I, I wore, you know, Ace Freely masks for Halloween, and I love Kiss. And so they were coming to the show. We, you know, we were at a good time in, in our life where we had a we had a nanny, and you know, I wanted to get awesome seats. So I paid, I think, three hundred bucks a piece to be like in the first ten rows. Um, we get a hotel. You know, and we, the, the kids are, so we're making a weekend out of this thing. Uh, we paint our faces. It's hysterical. Her and I are in the hotel beforehand. We're painting our faces, trying to do like, you know, the kiss makeup. And as we're walking into the venue, I see these two guys and you might've, you know, in any arena or any concert across the country, you always typically see these at big events is they have bullhorns and they have big signs, you know, and they're, and they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're evangelizing. They are being called by God to speak the word of God. Uh, and, and to the masses, 
But here's the thing. It's their method. Mm-hmm. So you have a bunch of people walking in, and they're screaming with bullhorns very aggressively that you're going to burn in hell. And so Angelique and I, on our faith journey now, remember, we're born again at this time. And, and looking back, you know, this was a learning lesson for us. So you might be saying, geez, you're going to a KISS concert. You're doing all this stuff. But as we're going in, she looks at me and she goes, what do you think their conversion rate is going to be today? I'm like, not good. You know, nobody's walking around being yelled at saying you're going to burn in hell and saying, well, maybe I won't go in. So their method wasn't great, but their hearts were in the right place. Now, here's what happened is Angelique and I were on our faith journey, and we had been reading scripture, and we had been feeling it, and we knew scripture. And we had separated what we thought this concert would be from what we wanted to do, our, our heart's desires versus what is right. And so the concert starts, and, you know, the big, you know, fireworks and the pageantry of it all, and we were jamming, and we took some pictures. But about 30 minutes into the show, and Angelique looks at me, and I can tell she's disturbed, you know, and her discernment is much greater than mine. And I go, what's wrong? And she's like, it's dark. She's like, it's just, it's very dark, David. She's like, you know, Gene Simmons is up there with his tongue flapping around. There's blood coming out of his mouth. And all, and all the big screens, there's like black cats and witches. And, and I'm like, yeah, I feel it too. I'm like, you're right. And, and yeah. what happened is all that studying we had done, it came to a moment where we had to make our own decision. And remember, okay. this is a half hour into a, a two and a half hour show. And I looked at her and I said, yeah, let's go. Let's get out of here. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I put that way behind me. And the same thing with, you know, this is another uh, controversial topic for some Christians. We stopped celebrating Halloween. You know, mm-hmm. we had dressed up as something every year for Halloween, even as a family, something innocent, the Care Bears, the Avengers. You know, we had always dressed up as a family. And then we, again, learning the word and being more involved in it, we just started to realize that these are parts of our, of our faith that we had to make a decision. Are we going to be soldiers for God and really live a godly life? Or are we going to be, you know, entrapped by the worldly things? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's good, man. I, I love that because, you know, we talk about this quite often is just having the standard, you know, the word of God is our standard. So, you know, how are we living? You know, and are we, are, do we, do we uphold our standard or, or value our standard enough to walk out enough to make changes? Because when the Holy Spirit speaks, he's going to, he's our standard. And so are we going to obey? Are we going to be obedient? And that's, that's tough. That's hard for a lot of people because it's uncomfortable. Back to what we talked about at the very beginning. I mean, mean, back in 2019, when we were leaving this uh, week-long Bible study, um, there is a pastor of mine who I'd listened to out in Arizona, and I went to his church, and I was continuing to listen to his podcast, and then there was our pastor in Tennessee. So three men that I really really looked up to in terms of their biblical knowledge, and this is in 2019, uh, November, and all three of them, I looked at Angelique, and I go, babe, all three of these men have preached recently on a spiritual warfare that's coming. Mm. And I said, you know, this is, this is November, 2019. The economy's great. You know, um, there's no wars. There's really no terrorism. Things are going perfectly. I go, but they're all really insistent on spiritual warfare. And then, you know, 2020, you know, we're, <laughs> we're just a year later, I'm looking at her and I go, these guys were totally right. And so mm-hmm. what we see is it's only gotten worse. And, and one of the things I'll point to in the book that I think you guys can speak on, and you tell me if this is coincidence, um, I did some research, and it says that 
while we were all locked down in 2020, in the beginning of 2021, we were all really, we, we were kept out of our churches, like you said, Tim. Um, we were wearing masks. We weren't talking to one another. So what were we doing collectively as a nation? What, what was getting our attention? If, if Jim Rohn says, you know, you are the sum of the five people that you're in the presence of, and he just really makes it a, a point of talking about what we are around we become, what was the nation doing back then? Watching the news. Watching the news. Watching TV. Sitting at home in front of the tube. This is going to really shock you. The most streamed show of 2021. What was the most streamed show, according to Nielsen, in 2021? A show called Criminal Minds, which mm. examines serial killers and extremely violent crimes. Wow. 33.87 billion minutes watching that, according to Nielsen in 2021. How about wow. the top original series? Now, that, that was the stream show, the top original series, according to Nielsen in 2021. No clue. Lucifer. Oh, my gosh, Ooh. really? <laughs> people were home during the pandemic, not getting the word of God, not being around people, not going to their churches. And what did the devil do? I'm going to take this opportunity to come yeah. into your television set across America. Sly. You're going to watch Criminal Minds, and you're going to watch Lucifer, a show literally, guys, if you don't know, about the devil coming to L.A. and running a nightclub. Wow. So, I mean, we, you can say, hey, you know what? Oh, these Christians, they want to make a jump. They want to, they want to make everything seem like we're in this spiritual warfare. Well, open your eyes. Yeah. You could say that, and you cannot believe it, but guess what? Open your eyes. It, you it's know, right there in our face. You, you know, something that you just said, you know, just I, I, I would love to go maybe in this direction a little bit. Um, and I would I'm, I'm curious if you address it in your book, but because there's this there's this interesting um, balance, if you will. Right. Or flow, whatever you want to call it, of of uh, some some people are like, oh, I don't even want to watch the news. I got my own shoot, my you know, my blinders are on. I'm, I'm on my mission blah, 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 blah. And I, I get that. I was like that for a long time, but then I, I started feeling challenged by how do I understand what's coming, what's going on. If I'm not, if I'm completely head in the sand, right. right. And if the church is completely head in the sand, I don't want to deal with any of it. I don't want, we're not going to address it. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to, that's a dangerous place to be as well as very being on the other side of the ditch which is that's all you consume <laughs> because, yeah. you know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So your faith in God comes by hearing the word of God, but your faith in other things comes by what you're hearing and listening to as well. So, yeah. uh, you know, that interesting, uh, I guess, dichotomy or balance that we have to have between the two of being in the world, but not of the world. Right. If you're in the world, you know what's going on in the world, but you're not of the world. Yeah. And I'm, I've been consumed by it. You know, I'd be lying to you guys if I said I wasn't. Um, I originally before I met my wife, I was getting into politics and, and I was consumed by politics. And I, I grew up a student, a student of history. And that's what I wanted to do. You know, from a young age, I've always wanted to kind of kind of help change the world. Um, mm -hmm. And Angela didn't want me to go into politics. So I kind of gave that up. Um, but I've always been consumed by news. And even though, you know, here's the thing when you talk about 
the, the dopamine effect of social media, of news, of our phones, and of these devices is in my first book, Turned On, I interviewed a professor from Georgetown who had studied this intensely. And he's like, there's a strong dopamine effect. And you right. guys can look it up, you know, Google it. Yeah. Um, they say the pull from the cell phone and these devices are the same as any type of other addiction, like, you know, cocaine or methamphetamines yep. and stuff. Yep. It's, it's attracting that, those same neurotransmitters in your mind. And, and so it's, it's an interesting, I mean, it's a wormhole here. Do you know that, um, Oh geez, uh, the 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 Apple, right? You look at your Apple device, which yep. is the most popular device um, that people watch on, right? I think they said um, there's there's an average of two devices, Apple devices, in every home across America. Whether that's you know accurate or not, but that's what I read. Um, the original the original logo for Apple was of Sir Isaac Newton sitting under an apple tree, and it was something like you know voyaging through the through the sands of time alone you know, in thought alone. And I, and I, and I put that in my book that that word alone is that, you know, we're meant to be in communion with one another. The Bible says that, you know, a three chord strand. Ooh, it, I know it talks about, wow. Yeah. And so when you look at this and you say, well, hmm. did Steve Jobs invent the Apple logo, a once bitten Apple as, as an intention? And I don't think hmm. Steve Jobs was an evil man. Hmm. Um, you know, he said, toward the end of his life that he was 50 50 on God. And he had only began to really look at God um, when he got cancer, which is unfortunate, mm -hmm. but um, Sir Isaac Newton was a believer, you know, and, and I find it interesting alone because how many times have you been looking for somebody in your house, your child or your wife? And you're like, Hey, you know, where's Ella or where's Phoenix, you know? Um, and then you find them in a room alone with their device and yeah. maybe they've been on it for hours. Maybe it's you are the one that's been alone. And so if we look at Sir Isaac Newton, a believer, um, Isaac Newton studied the Bible. He studied Bible prophecy. He, he applied scientific principles to the Bible, and um, he predicted that the world <laughs> would, would, would no, last no longer than 2060. Hmm. So think about that number. We're 2022. Isaac Newton, um, you know, long, long time ago, guys predicted 2060 well it, it's a weird it's a weird thought for someone that was you know that far removed from our our current time that he would pick that date within within 40 years of where we are now yeah well and i think the thing that that speaks to me what i when you say that this is what comes to me is that we were designed to go and be alone with god not alone with devices yeah you know the devices divide well, here's a, here's a perfect point though. And, and this is my, my wife is so integral in my faith. Um, and she's been such a huge part of, of my journey. And she's so smart because where I'm more passionate, she is more level-headed and she, you know, counseled me during the writing of this book. And she said, David, here's the thing, you know, um, devices and social media or even TV, you know, it's not bad. She's like, can you find, you know, is God in your cell phone? No. Can you find God through your cell phone? Yes. Is, is is the devil in the cell phone? No. Can you be swayed by the devil through your cell phone? Yes. And so when she said that, it made a lot of sense. How many yeah. people um, would listen to a sermon or even this podcast right now through their cell phone? Mm -hmm. And you could literally find God through it. The same way that how many people can watch Criminal Minds or Lucifer through a streaming device and, and be corrupted by the devil through the device. So it's not the device that's bad. It doesn't have one way or the other. It's 
it's what's coming through it. And that's why we need to be around people with discernment. That's why we need to be in community. We need to be in relation. We need to be in small groups. We need to be in the mm-hmm. word. So we are prepared with that body of armor. So something that's been, I, you know, I haven't even said this to Jeff. I was going to uh, message Jeff earlier. Actually, just this just come up yesterday. So this is totally fresh for me. <laughs> and I haven't sent Jeff this message yet. So Jeff, you're going to get it. And everybody else, the world's going to hear it at the same time. I've been pranking about, and by the way, pranking for me is like praying and thinking all at the same kind of just, <laughs> okay. so I, I've been pranking like about whether to cut the cord on my social accounts because I feel divided. I feel uh, distracted, you know, and to your point, I've been listening to stuff on this and you're right. The the things that I've been listening to studying that I've been doing is the hits, the likes, the, Oh, I got to put something up or whatever it is. It's the dopamine, which is equivalent to like hits of cocaine and such. And it's like, wow. I mean, and the effects of it on our brain is huge. Mm-hmm. And every time, so, I mean, I've tried to limit the amount of notifications, but I still feel like I get too many, you know, because I, I feel distracted. I feel, and to me, that distraction keeps me from connecting on a human yeah. level with others, whether it's in a small group or on even, you know, through zoom or something, because generally this, <laughs> most of the guys I do is through zoom, but it would, it wouldn't be on social media. You know, so anyway. Yeah. So let's go, let's go to the Bible um, on this. And, you know, something, I, I, there's a chapter in it about, about money. Okay. Chapter in my book about money. And if we, if we look to, you know, one of the main things in the Bible, it says it in, in four or five different places throughout the Bible, it says, do not take away or add anything to this book. Right. Because you, you have to have the infallible word of God. All right. You, people will want to add things to it or take things away from it. Right. You know, when you have an a la carte Bible, like, I know it says that, but let's take that out because that's not conducive to my lifestyle. Or let's add this part in to change the word of God. And, and God's not, you know, riding the fence about that. He says it five different times. And he says, you know, the penalties for doing that are severe. It's not just a slap on the wrist. It's severe. Yep. So when we look at this money chapter and it says, you know, the biggest misconception that people say is that money is the root of all evil. And what they're doing is that they're distorting the context of the Bible. It says the love of money is the root of all evil, because nowhere in the Bible does it say that we should be not stewarding our money. I mean, riches is one of those things in in prosperity and stewarding of money is throughout the word of God. It's very important. And so when you look at what you just said, Tim, about how much it's, it's not, it's not if we should or shouldn't, it's how much we let it consume us. So Paul yeah. says in Timothy, he tells Timothy, beware of the pursuit of riches as many who pursue gold also fall into the temptations of other lusts that accompany mm. that pursuit. Mm-hmm. So it's not saying, hey, Tim, you know, don't use, right. um, don't use social media to reach people and to connect and spread the word of God. Beware because it can tempt you into other things. And I'll compare this to one of Jeff and I's favorite pastimes, which is football. And so I always try and compare things logically to things that, you know, let's take something in the Bible. Let's compare it to something else. Let's compare it to football. Is football bad? No. Well, what if I watch a lot of football? Is that bad? No. What if I'm like a lot, a lot of football? Still not bad. Football by itself is not bad. What happens is, when you go to a game and you start drinking or you start fighting with other people, or you start betting on the game, 
that's when you get into trouble. Even if you don't do those things, what, like we said about the presence of your family, what if you're watching so much football like I was that I neglected my family? Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't go to the games, but at one point in my life, Angelique goes, David, she goes, at first it was Sundays, but now it's Thursday night football, Saturday football, Sunday football, Monday football. And we don't see you, you know, your family needs you. And that's just a lot. So is football bad? No. But when I let it consume my time, take away from my family, or, or if I did go to a game and I started gambling, that's when we get into trouble. So we have to be weary uh, and, and learn how self-discipline, which is another big, huge principle of the Bible, the ability to discipline ourselves and know that this phone can be evil and know that, hey, you know what? I told myself this morning, Tim, I said, you're getting into this thing. You're, you're, you're becoming addicted to your cell phone again. And it's like alcohol. If you're an yeah. alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic. You just discipline yourself. If, if you're addicted to your phone, which most of us are, you're never going to beat that addiction. You have to be alert to it and always be disciplining yourself because you could put your phone away, Tim, and put social media away for a year. And then one thing gets you and you're back on. And guess what? You're back into the game. So we yeah. have to be just self-aware and disciplined. Well, actually, yeah. And I, I believe, and I've said this um, many times on the show, like um, how you leave is how you'll enter. So how you leave one season will be how you enter another. So like even going from one year to the next, like there's things in this year, like I don't want to take with me <laughs> right into the next year, but <clears throat> by leaving it here, that creates a void. What are you going to put in that void? If you don't put something good in that void, if you mm -hmm. don't put something that's uh, aligned with, you know, your standard or whatever, because you're leaving this because it doesn't, if you don't, something else will fill it. And the devil is very sly. He's very tricky. And it's the slightest little thing. It's the little foxes that'll slip in to those little voids mm -hmm. and start spoiling that's the rest of the vine. Well, it's such a good point because most people are that have addictive personalities. I've seen people that were addicted to um, alcohol, yeah. you know, kick that addiction, and then they get addicted to sex or yeah. they're addicted to steroids and then they get addicted to gambling. You know, whatever the addiction is, once that avoids there, if you're not filling with God and you're not surrounded by people who are constantly putting the word in front of you, then yeah, the devil will use that void as an opportunity. Well, it's like you were talking about, David. It's like you physically moved from one city to another. Yeah to take yourself out of that situation. Yes. And that's because a, you, you listen to the whisper because how many times have we all in our lives had that whisper and ignored it yeah. because it was going to make us uncomfortable. And like, well, I can, I can't move. I can't do that. And the key thing when both of you were talking is self-awareness, you know, Tim, you were self-aware of like, okay, I'm not feeling good about where I'm headed with social media right now. And it could be that moment of fasting where you say, okay, for the next three months, I'm not going to do it. Or I'm going to delete all the apps off my phone and just do it on the computer just to post, you know, for podcast purposes to, to promote that or hire a VA, a virtual assistant to do all those things for me because I know I need to get it done, but I don't want to go in there and do it. So the, the thing that jumped out for those that we all need to be aware of is either our, our how good we are at self-awareness or not. And that's where the community comes into play Yeah, because we have blind spots and they're called blind spots because we can't see them. <laughs> see them. <laughs> we need yeah. somebody else to point them out. Well, it, 
Exactly. And I think for me, uh, for me, it's, I've been trying to, the awareness, uh, aware of, and this is a whole nother tangent. We don't need to go down necessarily, but I'll, I'll state it because I think for me, the reason for cutting it out is not the feeling that I'm in it too much. It's the feeling that, um, I'm, I, I have the ADHD tendencies and I'm very distracted by multiple things. And I'm like, okay, if I cut this out, I can put my attention where I know it needs to be. And sure. I don't have this yeah. distraction. And now I'm more productive. Now I'm actually doing more for what I know I need to do than yep. what I'm over here. Like, well, God, I got in here again, you know? So it's cutting those things off that don't, that are just more of a distraction and less of my focus, but I do want to go back real quick uh, because okay. I think this is um, uh, critical that uh, we mentioned this at the, uh, at the men's retreat uh, that we had the, the battle ready weekend. And it is uh, one of the kryptonites, you know, is sin and, and you know, killing kryptonite. If you've ever read the book um, uh, by John Brevere. Yes. Uh, and so he talks about idols and, and, uh, uh, not obeying the word. So you have to know the word, not only know the word, the devil knew the word, but you have to know the yeah. heart of God. Like what was God's heart in writing this and having this in here? What's his heart behind that? But the big thing that I wanted to go to is not adding to the word, as you mentioned, that's how we got on this here is just not adding to it. Cause in Genesis three is where this whole, this whole thing breaks down is where the serpent comes to Eve and he starts talking to Eve and he, and he, he tells her, you know, da, 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 da. Did he really say that? Start to question it. Right. But here's the thing. Here's what she said. So um, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. But God said, so God said, so this is her saying, God said, you must not eat it or even touch it god did not say you couldn't touch it he just said not to eat of it yeah. she then just added to it to what god wow. says and if you do you will surely die so and then he says you won't die blah 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 blah. but the whole point there is be we it's we must know <laughs> the word first yeah. of all and not add to the word um, because as you said, when we add to the word, dangerous things happen, it opens up a, Even a little thing. bit. Yeah. You know, that's why, that's why that slightest a, little a critical door. point in this book is that the, the Bible is infallible, you know, and I go into a whole thing in the, one of the, did you know, sections about, you know, when, the, when the, when the scribes were copying it, you know, they had to go over if any, if any letters touched or if anything was wrong, they, they scrapped the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And imagine writing something you know, word for word, and, and you're writing with a quill pen on, on parchment paper or whatever they called it. Uh, um, there's another term for it, not parchment paper, but, you know, they're, they're paper in the day. Yeah. And they're writing on it, and you're doing this thing for hours, and you're devoting your life, and then someone comes and says, you know what, you missed a word, or you, those things touched it. And so we want to know that it's the infallible word of God. And, and that's why when it says the, the love of money is the root of all evil versus, you know, money is the root of all evil, it takes on a completely different context. Correct. And so if you don't know that God talks about, he, he's given us everything in this Bible, even in 2022, and you think, well, that, that book was written thousands of years ago, even in 2022, you know what? He thought about it. Not only did he think about it, he thought about what we would say when we question something, and he has answers for that too. It's almost like he was reading our minds and says, one day you'll think about this and you'll question it, 
And I'll even have an answer for that question in the book. Yeah. You know, um, going back to what you said about the devil knows, you know, Tozer also said that the devil is a better theologian than any of us, yeah. but he's still the devil. Still <laughs> you the know, devil. so yeah. we have, that's why it says you have to be alert. And discernment is one of the ways that God talks to us. The inner voice, what you realize in your, in your life right now, whether you're a believer, um, a full-on, whether you're just getting into Christianity or whether you're not even at all, is that you have an inner voice. And when you realize that, that inner voice is God's way of speaking to you. Yes. Um, your intuition and your discernment, if you're, if you're on pornography and you're hearing something in your head that's saying, you know, get off, don't do that, then that's not just you. That's God saying, hey, you know mm -hmm. what? The Word of God is telling you this is not right. And if you yeah. hear the Word of God and you continue to go forward with it, uh, that's, that's when you're getting into dangerous territory with your eternity and your soul. You know, and so that's why if we want to apply these things, even to modern day things, guys, and getting it out of your way is, you know, I can't tell you guys how many, how many accounts I've stopped following, even from friends, you know, and I, I've had to unfollow them because as a married man who is devoted to my wife, I don't want any temptation in front of me. I don't want anything that is, is, is there whether it's innocent or not, whether I've looked at it or not. And we're not even talking about pornography. We're just talking about some people who have accounts where they just flaunt things or they say yeah. things or they do things. You know, my discernment has told me, David, if you're, if you're not equipped to take care of that, then just get it out of the way. Don't even, don't even have it in front of your face. Yeah. And, and if someone says, hey, why did you not follow me or why did you unfriend me? I'll go to that point. I've had to have really difficult conversations with good guy mm. friends of mine who I grew up with. And I remember going to Angelique and I said, babe, you know, you and I have a really strong relationship and I want to tell you everything. I go, I got a friend of mine who's a good guy. He's a father. He has, he has children. And I go, but he sends me things like pornography or just like little memes with, you know, girls exposing themselves. And I said, mm -hmm. I know this is not good for me. So what I want to do is I need to tell him in a way that doesn't offend him. And guys, that's a very hard conversation. Yeah, yeah. You know, because you go through your, your friend, what's he going to say? Oh, geez, what a wuss. Or what are you, gay? You know, or <laughs> why wouldn't you want to see this? And, and so I knew that God was telling me to have a serious, you know, just a, a text with this gentleman and say, hey, buddy, you know, I love you, but I'll just be honest with you. I'm a Christian. I'm trying to walk this particular life, and I just can't have those things in front of me right now. So if, just don't send them to me anymore. I don't want to offend you, and I don't want to ruin our relationship as friends. I'm just asking you to do that. Yeah. And it was hard to send that message, bro. It was really mm -hmm. hard because the devil was telling me all these things that they were going to think of me. And you know what? The guy was like, hey, bro, I respect that. And we still talk. He still messages me. He just doesn't send me pornography anymore. You know, and maybe there's so he, much. And maybe he looks at it less. Like maybe he's yeah. not looking for those to get acknowledgement or affirmation from you that, hey, this is a funny picture to send or, you know, getting that reaction right. back. Because most people that are in that walk think it's innocent. But if you look back to right. the two biggest things that the church is not teaching young people about is sex and money. Ooh, think about what 100%. breaks up most relationships. What, what causes the most scandals in Washington or in Hollywood? Money. Sex and money, which is addressed mm -hmm. throughout the Bible. Yeah. Think about how many marriages, how many families we could save, how many corporations we could save, you know, yeah. how many presidencies could have been saved without the knowledge of the Bible and sex and money. Yeah, I listened to a podcast yesterday, sorry, Tim, mm. with um, Ryan Mickler and Terry Crews. And Terry Crews talks about his addiction to pornography and how bad it was. He's like, look, people, you might not think it's bad, 
it will manifest in your life at some point. It oh, yeah. always yeah. does. And always so does. it's one of those critical things that, like you said, that some people think it's innocent, but it's not like, again, some people can look at things and dismiss it and then not be a problem. Just like some people can take a sip of alcohol and not be a problem. And other people, they see it and they have an issue with it. And that's where you just have to know yourself and know what you can and can't do. Well, how many, how many communities have voted in gambling? Like in Florida, I know the Seminole tribe is big there and, and people want to vote in gambling or they want to vote in the lottery. And it's always, it's always sold under the guise of better, you know, a better life. Like, Hey, let's, let's input the lottery here or gambling. And we'll take some of that money for schools. Right. That's what the devil wants you to do. Yeah. Hey, you know what? If you just gamble a little more, play the lottery more, it's going for a good cause. And, and you might say, well, it doesn't hurt anybody. It's not a violent crime, you know, but what about the child whose father has a gambling addiction and, you know, that family's not being fed right, or that family's not having some of the opportunities to go to school or do some of the things because dad's blowing all his money on Sunday football. Mm-hmm. It has repercussions for sure. Yeah, it absolutely does. And, you know, the things that come to mind for me is you walking that out, you facing that, you being the Buffalo in that situation, identifying that, Hey, this is not right. I need to, that's integrity. It's you walking Mm -hmm. out integrity. It's you having the discipline to follow through with it, to go to your wife, to have the conversation. And then there's valor within it, which is that personal bravery, that personal courage to go back to him and have that tough conversation. And this is something that, that came up as well, that when you were talking about this, I'm like, and I say this on a, on a show a lot too. It's like, if you have the ability to respond, it is your responsibility. So if you have the ability to respond to something like, Hey, I, I, I shouldn't be doing this, or I shouldn't have this in my life. You have the ability. If you have that ability, it's your responsibility Mm -hmm. to deal with it. And one of my mentors, um, Dr. Ed Cole, he always says that um, maturity comes from the acceptance of responsibility. So if I now, if I know that this is my responsibility and I have to deal with this, if I choose not to respond to it, if I choose not to accept it, then I'm choosing to be immature in that area of my life. And you just said, hey, I'm choosing to accept responsibility. This is me maturing in this area. And I love that. Yeah, you what, know what? Um, go ahead, Jeff. I was just you finish your thought because I have a different question for you. Well, you know, it, it it comes down to we need good, strong male role models in the church. You know, I, I yeah. needed a pastor who was a no nonsense man's man. You know, so uh, w- my wife knew that. She's like, you know, I can lead you so far, but you need a strong man. And That's so good, I, yeah. I sought out strong male role models. It's good. Yeah. yeah. The question I was going to ask is when you're writing the pursuit, what were some aha moments? as you were studying and getting really deeper into the word than what you had been previously? Well, I think the biggest moment was, you know, my own humility when, when I had to decide, well, am I going to, my little daughter's here. Hold on. <laughs> hey babe, can you get the baby? <laughs> and she's about to turn off the whole thing. I'm looking at her and she's eyeing the button. Doesn't she know that your house is a turned on house? What does this button do? Getting back to your question. um, That's life right there. Yeah. It's fine. No, that's fine. Oh, you can turn that off. (laughs) One of the big things that I realized is, and again, Angelique helped me with this, is 
is what to leave in, what to put out. She's like, you know, you're going to have to run that through the filter of God. It's not up to you. You know, you're going to have things that will come in that you're going to want to put in this book that are going to be tough, you know? And there were things, you know, over the process is you take a chapter out and I had this thing, (laughs) I actually had a whole file called left out book stuff, right? And Mm -hmm. that was stuff that I, I wouldn't lose it, but I'll take it out. And if I need to find it, I'll put it back in. And she basically said, you know, David, when it comes down to this, you need to run everything through the filter of God. It's not going to be your voice. It's going to be his voice. Mm-hmm. And because, because if you do that and you're obedient to that process, then you won't have any regrets. That's if good. somebody says, like, I don't agree with this or they didn't like this or you were, you know, it was too strong. You say, well, that wasn't my thought. That was what the word says. And, and then I realized that, Jeff, I struggled. And, and look. Here's the thing. I'm never one of those people to overemphasize stuff. Like I, one of my biggest things that I'll never embellish anything or, or blow something up to be bigger than it is. So take this for my word, guys. I promise you this. The struggle of writing this book was extremely emotional. Mm-hmm. I had times when I just went to my knees and I said, God, I just need you in prayer. Where do you want me for this? There was times when I was enthusiastic and I said, God, thank you for letting me write that. I feel like this is great. And I guarantee you there was times when I literally went outside and I shook my fist at the sky and, and I said, what are you doing to me, God? Like, why are you putting me and my family through this right now? Like, I know I started this, but right now I'm, I'm, I'm losing my sanity trying to finish it, you know? And so for me, it was just this huge kind of emotional journey. And even as it's getting ready to, to launch, there, I can't tell you guys, I wake up in the middle of the night and I start to have faces in my head and go, who's going who's gonna to be offended by what I said? Or what if some theologian goes, you were totally wrong on this? What if some pastor or someone who knows the word better than me goes, hey, you got this completely wrong? Or one of my best friends says, hey, you know what? That's what I do. And you're calling me out. You know, those are the things that I literally wake up in the middle of the night worrying about still, because I am a people pleaser to some degree. I do want to be liked by everybody. I would love for everybody to say, hey, your book's fantastic. It's the best thing I ever read. But my, my spirit's telling me that some people are going to be like, how dare you? Mm-hmm. And, and I just had to come to grips with that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So uh, where can, where, I know it's, uh, as we're recording, it's not out yet. It comes out Monday or no, Tuesday, May, yeah, Monday, May 2nd, Monday, mm-hmm. May 2nd. Yeah. So uh, is it going to be everywhere? Is it just on your website? No, yeah, you can find it um, uh, amazon.com, barnesandnobles.com. So that's how we're releasing it. Um, you can get it on um, obviously on Kindle. Uh, that's when the heart, the hard copy comes out or the paperback, I should say. And one of the things I got to contemplate doing, guys, I did it with my first book. And I'll tell you what, anybody who's ever recorded their book on tape and used their own voice, um, I did it the first time. And my goal was to do it this time because I know a lot of people prefer to listen to books yeah. now than actually read them. Um, that's another whole war. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're three days in the studio and you'll read and you'll just be like, your mind just goes through this kind of war zone where you lose focus or your you know your vocal cords hurt so my goal is to eventually record it on tape um but that's the whole thing i got to prep myself for yeah yeah awesome i love it man this has been a amazing conversation and i i'm so thankful that i came across your your post uh to see this book and and actually have the conversation to 
to bring you on again. And I, I just to put it out there in front other in front of other people because I think this is a, a strong message that you're right. It's the truth that uh, that many of us don't want to acknowledge as truth in our lives either. So, well, I think we're it. the last generation. We have to steward it, right? I mean, if we don't pass it along. Um, it's in danger. I, I believe that, you know, we're in danger right now. We're at a pivotal time in our history. Mm-hmm. Um, and every, every generation has thought that, but now with the uh, with deception is a big part of it. Um, the ability of these little apps that like face swap and all these things that come in and again, they come in via the devil. Cause he's like, it's just funny. Yeah. You're just looking like somebody else. It's just an alternative voice. You're just using somebody, some computer animated voice. And so that's how things start. But when you can't tell the difference between the real Tom Cruise and the Tom Cruise that someone did on face swap, then that's a dangerous spot. Cause I don't know if the president really said that or the, or somebody's using face swap. I don't know if that's really his voice, you know, and we get into a really yeah. dangerous area. So that's a whole nother thing. You know, guys, I just, I pray that this book will start conversations. Like I said earlier, you know, if I got something that offends you or something's a little off or I interpreted a scripture different than you would interpret it. So be it, you know, don't throw away the baby with the bathwater. Um, I would ask you to read the book in its entirety um, and, and give it a chance. If something offends you when you read this book or, or rubs your spirit the wrong way, you know, listen to my voice now and say, I didn't intend it to do that. And, and just give me a chance to read it in its entirety. We don't have to agree on everything. You don't have to pat me on the back. I'm not looking for it to be perfect. What I'm looking for it to do is really start conversations, most, most importantly, with the family. I'm looking for it to, to maybe ask people to, hey, dig into it yourself, you know, start researching it. If it just starts conversation or it stirs curiosity in you, then that's what I want. I've done my job. That's good. That's good. Jeff, do you have anything final to? I don't want to take anything from what he just said. Yeah. <laughs> I don't either. I do feel uh, I do feel impressed though to just close this out in prayer. I've never really we've never really done that, but I just feel like this conversation and those that tune in to your book to read your book and all. I just feel like it's it, it would be appropriate uh, to just uh, seal this whole thing up, man. So, Father God, we just uh, we just thank you first and foremost for your goodness to us, Lord God, your goodness and your faithfulness to us as, as your children, Lord, we just, uh, we thank you for the anointing that you put on David, Father God, the, the words that you brought through him as the vessel, Lord God, I thank you that as the words uh, are going into people, as they read his word, Father God, that they do, if there is some offense, or if there is something that doesn't settle right in their spirit, Lord God, I thank you that they are in the pursuit of your word, first and foremost, so they filter it through your word. Lord God, I thank you that uh, it does spark uh, maybe some emotions, some change for people to pursue more of your truth in their homes and in their families and in their communities. Father, we just thank you for your word, your truth, first and foremost. And Lord, we thank you that uh, you bless David and his family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. Hey, my friends, I hope you really enjoyed today's episode. If you did, do me a huge favor and head on over to iTunes. Leave me a rating and review. That will definitely help us get this message out to more people. Also, if you haven't done so already, 
let's connect. You can connect with me on my website, timdouglasinspires.com and or on the social media sites, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Let me know that you listened to the podcast and that's how you found me. Lastly, stay tuned for more to come. And I definitely want to thank you again for subscribing, for sharing this with your friends, leaving a review, all that good fun stuff. So until next time, go out there, face your storms, make your difference in the world, and we'll see you next time on the Inspired Way podcast. Thank you.